Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, Armorall, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every 20 you spend on Armorall products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Everybody and welcome to Shift F1, a podcast about speedy race cars. I'm Drew Scanlon. Joining me, Danny O'Dwyer. How are you, Danny? I'm very good, Drew. It's uh, what's going on here. Formula One is over. Why are we? Why are we talking? We don't usually talk, Drew, unless Formula One's involved. Why? What's happening? What's going on? It's, it's uh, the off season. I'm bathing. I just really. <laughs> Wait, are you implying that you have gone an entire F1 season without bathing? Yeah. Yeah. Well. Wait, you don't? <laughs> uh, I just couldn't stand not talking to my best Formula One friends. Uh, <laughs> so I've also invited Rob Zachney. How are you, Rob? Not too bad. We are recording, right? I don't. I, did I see the numbers flash? I see. I see the record thing uh-huh. going. Yeah, we've we've only done this for almost ten years. So <laughs> we need we need a. We're not allowed to talk to each other unless there's at least one Patreon in the room. That's that's right. Uh, there is. A, I see the. I see the red light flashing. Yeah. Are we? Is this episode just going to be us like completely crashing at the 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 end here? Just like completely out of energy after an entire the longest F one season in history. Yeah, like the Sunday morning after a Saturday night bender. You know, just right. gonna. Yeah, just wandering the streets in a fugue state. Yeah. Um, a little bit, I guess. Uh, we did this one just to kind of throw it together to to have an opportunity to talk about the season that was and do some emails. But it does turn out that we have some news to cover as well. We do. Uh, if you're new to this podcast, a very warm welcome to you. And if you are new to Formula One itself, we recommend listening to our preseason primer episode that happened all the way back in, what, February of this year? Uh, you've got a whole season to catch up on if this is your first episode. You, so you can go back to listen to that, episode 216. It assumes no prior F1 knowledge and explains how the sport works and who everybody is. So you can go listen to that and then the entire season. So Yeah, who knows uh, who will win? Be fun. <laughs> you can't, you know, Alonso starts out well, so, you know, maybe he makes good. How uh, many how many races is he going to win this year? <laughs> it's it, The possibilities are endless. <laughs> Uh, also, the show would not be possible without our audience over at patreon.com slash shift F1. Every month we release an ad-free version of the podcast 
uh, along with bonus. Actually, every week we release that. that <laughs> we, I got to rewrite this for 2024. Uh, but you also get uh, bonus podcasts and videos that are exclusive to our patrons that cover racing documentaries and films, F1 video games, experiments with other racing series and a lot of weird things. So if you would like to support the show and get access to all that fun stuff, oh, yeah. head over to patreon.com slash shift F1 or click the link in the show notes. What's been going on this month, Danny? Uh, last month, just passed, we did mm-hmm. Braun, the impossible Formula One story starring everyone's favorite Matrix man, Keanu Reeves. Uh, this month, we are doing, recording it tomorrow, I believe, our review of Gran Turismo. Uh, have you guys watched Gran Turismo yet? You I bet. S- I have a half hour to go. Okay, cool. Bought that I- 4K. How could you put it down with yeah. a half hour to go? <laughs> You're telling me that you're telling me they got to the 24 hours of Le Mans and sorry, spoilers, spoilers. They but they get to the 24 hours of Le Mans and you're like, I think I'll leave it here. <laughs> it's like Hemingway. You know, you got to leave the sentence right. half written so that you uh, know where to pick it up mm. when you come back. Yeah. Well, there you go. There's a little bit of insight into what we think about that one. Uh, I'm sure we'll chew into it more tomorrow and that will be up for uh, patrons. Uh, I don't know. We'll see. Maybe by the weekend, maybe next week, we'll we'll, we'll get it up in due course. Um, and a massive thanks to all of our incredible, incredible title sponsors uh, who have done stayed with us for the entire year. A bunch of people. We actually... Uh, have i think we might have one new person this week as well which is amazing um thank you all so much for slapping your beautiful names as stickers all over our car uh those names of course one more time for the year are f1 gamer dad and it's not me i swear <laughs> mojo nixon gaming get rich or die ryan agave atx cypress training turf ses at team blackjack michael maves gordy's army at Talking Autos, Olivia Evans, TelemetryDuck.com, FTC, Drew Stewart, Bailey Foot, Abdullah Althani, Jason Chadwick, Abraham Getchell, The Space Above Us Podcast, Llama Magic, Sniggs, Alex Goucher, Max Voltar, Circuit Demon, Troy Stammer, William Rumpf, Irvine Clinical Research. <laughs> so that makes me laugh. Lachlan the Madden Man. And our good friend, Jason Kelly. Thank you all for uh, covering our beautiful car. We should Every year we should get a like a little little matchbox car done with tiny little stickers of all their <laughs> oh, They have names. to be so small. I actually made, um, me and my daughter got into, my kid is five now, and she's she started like to do Lego sets a little bit. Ah. And then I started to do Lego sets because I was like, <laughs> and uh, I got a, we did like a little daddy-daughter, we make Lego beside each other thing. And I got the Mercedes Lego set, which has, uh, I think their car from two years ago and also the safety car. Um, oh, wow. Uh, as, as, uh, in a, like a two, in like a double set. So I have both of those randomly set. I did them all in one night. It was absolute blast. Good stuff. Wow. Brag man. much. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. I can make, yeah. I can play <laughs> with children's toys. Yeah. Eat it. That's awesome. Uh, all right. Well, as you mentioned, Danny, we, uh, we have kind of a, uh, 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 an unscripted episode. We just fi- figured, you know, with all the, a lot of prep goes into those post-race episodes. Yes. Um, and we kind of just wanted to chill out and talk about the season that was, um, and kind of drift into that long winter night. Uh, and before we do that though, news just keeps breaking. Um, yes. So why don't you kick things off here, Danny, with, uh, what we can look forward to in 2024. 
Yes. Uh, first of all, sprint races. Isn't that what we're going to talk about first? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay, cool. Um, yes, it was announced that China and Miami will be joining the sprint schedule uh, for 2024. Uh, this came during an F1 commission meeting in November. It was agreed that the Sporting Advisory Committee will discuss potential changes to that sprint format, uh, but that proposal will not be presented to the F1 commission for consideration until their first meeting in 2024. So we're not sure what sprint is going to be. Sprint could be anything. Sprint, I mean, it couldn't be anything. It's definitely going to be a shorter race. It's a foot race now. <laughs> could you, it's a literal <laughs> sprint. They're going to do the NFL combine. <laughs> Who'd win? Who'd be the fastest, do you think, if they all ooh. ran for it? Mm. Albon. Yeah, I was, ooh, that's a good check. He's, he's tall. He's, but he's, he's, not, he's not like Ricardo. I think Ricardo carries a lot of like weight with him. Like he's bigger. Mm. Like Albon's got like a sprint. Albon's got like a marathon body. Yeah. Alonso would struggle. Yes. I think. Those knees have, have seen some shit. Um, so to, I guess, go in the order that we will see them. Uh, China will be the first one, uh, as long as that race is on. <laughs> it's the first time we've... <laughs> yeah. They are actually in the middle of a... Uh, is it a flu outbreak or something? They're having a pretty... Oh, geez. Something's going on. It's not COVID, apparently. But hey, they said that last time. Uh, but that'll be April 20... <laughs> the 19th to 21st is when... That one is on. Um, Miami is then May 3rd to 5th. Then we are at the Ostrich Ring, uh, Red Bull Ring, sorry, uh, which will become the first three-time host of the sprint uh, on June 20th to 30th. Uh, Circuit of the Americas will run its second sprint race in October. And then Brazil uh, at the start of November and Qatar at the end of November will be the other ones. So that's, uh, that's a bunch. That's six different sprint races to enjoy uh, next year. But again, what the sprint is, who knows? Six opportunities for everyone to come away being like, <laughs> don't worry, fans, we're going to fix that sprint format. <laughs> I think, obviously, we we know we need to rework it. We're on it. We got one good one this year. What was it? I forget. There was one race. It might have been Brazil, was it? No. There was one race we had where the sprint was definitely better yeah. than the main race. I forget. There was maybe two of them. I forget. Yeah, but. It's, I feel like the uh, Qatar one was was all right. But oh, that's a good like, shout, yeah. I, that ended I, up just being an interesting race weekend, uh, in part. Like so, yeah. What we will explore later when we're talking about reminiscing about the season is that this season was very inconsistent. There was times where some drivers were doing really well and then doing really badly. There were some races that were really boring and then really good ones. There were some times where teams were doing great or badly, and then the other end of the season they were doing the complete opposite. So. It's it's all higgledy piggledy. So if you can't remember much about this year, don't blame yourself. It was a little bit all over the place. Well, F one knows what the people like. So does Williams, and they like people from Florida because they have retained <laughs> Logan Sargent. GTA six, dude. Florida's never been hotter. <laughs> For the twenty twenty four season, that means the F one grid is the same. For 2024, as it was for 2023. I don't know that that's ever happened while I've been watching it. Well, not the start of 2023, because we had our good old friend Nick DeVries in there. Uh, oh, the start of oh the year. you're right, Danny. So it has it has slightly changed, shall we say. But yeah, so, that's a good point. I'll say this. like I think this proves James Valls is 
maybe the most on the level team principal I've ever seen. Cause like any, <laughs> like given the circumstance, any other team principals, like, uh, yeah, Logan has our full support. He's dead. He's dead. Sorry. <laughs> they're going to, they're going to take Kiss him out behind death. the trailer. They're going to shoot him. <laughs> uh, but here when James Wallace was like, you know, we're pleased with the progress, you know, he's seeing, we're at the wait to make our decision. All of that apparently did mean we are going to analyze like the data and make our decision about him. And then they decided to keep him, uh, which I think tells us a lot about Williams and, and how like vowels operate. Um, but I'm curious, temperature check. How yeah. do we feel about uh, Logan getting a mulligan? It's, it's, it's odd, right? Because I mean, we'll get into this a little bit later when we sort of run down how the teams and drivers did. Um, it's hard to, we, it, I don't they had a better car this year, but I also think Albon got more out of it than just about anyone would have. Albon had a fantastic year. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't, I think it's unfair to compare him right next to him. And in a way, when Albon is your teammate, I feel like perhaps you get a bit more time because uh, that's the time that Albon didn't get. You know what I mean? Like patience. Maybe Albon is a good case for having patience with rookie drivers. Um, I, you know, I think, I th- I'm glad he's getting another go of it. I, I always hate when the the sink or swim attitude and and all that, but but obviously I think he has a he really has to do it next year. Like he has to really prove himself next year if he wants to to keep it again. It, it wasn't a great season for him, but you know that's what rookie seasons are for sometimes. Yeah, or at least so, show some like marked improvement, right? Like I I I hesitate to like I I always. I give a lot of benefit of the doubt to situations like this because you never know if they're on the same, you know, uh, you know, car development schedule, like who's got the the upgrades, who doesn't. Um, and when there is a disparity, especially in experience, like you and you're comparing those two people a lot, it makes it difficult to compare one person with them themselves to see whether they are improving. And of course, there's so much data that we as the audience don't get to see. So um, I don't, it's it's tough for us to say like, oh, it's a bad move, especially when, as this Autosport article points out, there's not a lot of, uh, you know, people ready to go in the wings. I mean, there's, you know, Teo Pusher, who uh, he won the F2 championship mm-hmm. this mm-hmm. season, right? Lawson as well, but he's probably tied up with, Red Bull, right? Yes. Um, Which is another point that article makes, right? That like yeah. a lot of the people they could theoretically get, if they pan out even a little bit, they're going to lose them fast to the teams that actually right. have yeah. vested right. interest in those in those talents. Yeah, and I think you know, we, we mentioned before, Williams has already sunk a lot of time and money and effort and energy into Logan Sargent because he came from their, uh, their F1 Academy. Um, so I think it I think it makes a lot of sense. It's not maybe as exciting as we want, um, but I, I am curious to see how he'll do next year. Yeah, and I, I feel like, I don't know, I'll, I'll have to think about recent years, I guess, but, you know, Russell was obviously a good young driver that they had in there for a while. Um, but Williams was for a long time in my head somewhere where veterans went to end their careers. And I don't think it benefited them. And I think in many ways, 
just having this younger, you know, uh, driver, you know, who was, who was there before? Stroll, Sorokin, but then we're into like the Massa. Valtteri era. was there too. Bal- Botas think, was there, yeah. Mm-hmm. Of it was, I, I think it was half that. Veterans washed up there to see things out. <laughs> right. And then people on the rise passed through before winding their way to Mercedes. Honestly. Right. But yeah, I, I think Williams has been in a tough spot with um, the, the driver, like their ability to hang on to drivers and, and when they tend to get hold of them. But yeah, like I, I, I find it really interesting. I think, you know, uh, there was always sort of a, I, I think Williams was fairly clear about this from the start that everyone knew Sargent was going to be a bit rough because like there was a sense that he'd like, lo- he'd missed a year of development. They'd, they'd, they'd mm-hmm. rushed him forward uh, into, into, into F1. Whereas Piastri um, had a much more sort of, you know, he he was a reserve driver for Alpine. He yep. you know he he had a, yeah he sort of had a much more because he had such a great year comparatively. But yep. I think you're right. Like he had a this was much more running. of a hey kid, here's an F one car. Good luck. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and you know I I think he had like the earlier parts of the year were really rough, but I do kind of feel like over time, like what was it? Uh, at Zandvoort he wrecks the car but before he wrecks the car he's kind of on it right he has one of those things where like he was right on the limit and he's like setting competitive times and then he loses it a bit at a track where to lose it a bit means the car is going to be right off and i feel like since then it got a lot cleaner the performance gap narrowed a bit and that tended to be overshadowed because we had so many bad tracks for Williams that like by the end Sargent wasn't doing anything impressive because Albin wasn't doing anything impressive. They were kind of lumbering around back there. He did blow qualifying uh, at the last race. Um, but yeah, I, I kind of, I find it an interesting approach they're taking, which is that the first year was an investment and we are going to see what seasoning can do with this guy. Cause you know, if you think about the history of F1, a lot of motor motorsports, you know, prior to this era of like trying to find your wunderkind and just like lock <laughs> them in at age like 17, 18 to a five year contract, you kind of didn't expect people to really like pull their act together until like their mid 20s in F1. Uh, and you compare it to other sports, right? Like, you know, basketball players get drafted and can be in the league for like five, six years right. before you're really like saying like, all right. Now it's time to show out. And so I, I do think there's this is an interesting like experiment in developing a driver in an era where it's been very much focused on like, hey, your development happened up through F2. Now you just need to be ready to go. <laughs> uh, who knows? Maybe he will be the first. Uh, there has been one Williams winner in the past 20 years. Could you remember who it was? Yes, oh, yeah, I can. Okay. Pastor. Pastor Maldonado. Spain 2012, I think. Um, yeah, yeah was, that, was, uh, was that when they were running in Valencia? The little like... Uh, it was Barcelona. Of course, with the, the no, bridge. The street circuit? Yeah. No, so actually, no, maybe you're right. Was it, no, it was Spain. Was it then? God, in my head, it wasn't Valencia. Let me look it up. I think it was uh, Barcelona. While you're doing that, I uh, just to update everyone here, 2024 could be a bloodbath because the Ooh. only drivers... Uh, that are secured past 2024 are the McLaren drivers, the Mercedes drivers, and Max Verstappen. There you go. Everybody else ends, their contract ends at least, or in, in 2024, or 
It's nebulous. Wow. A real lemon dance. Uh, it was Spain. It was Barcelona. That pastor okay. did it. And he won that race. He won that race. Yeah. He, he did it. Wasn't gifted to him. Uh, well, uh, speaking of yeah. gifting things from one to the other. Ooh. Oh, yeah. Yeah, this is... <laughs> This is an odd story. <laughs> I don't know. Like this one popped up today, and then there's been a lot on it that I that I'm like. There's a lot of moving parts to it, so I'm I, I fear I'm going to mangle the story a little bit. Uh, so the top headline and the organizations that who is doing what is going to be important here. <laughs> FIA opened a compliance investigation. Uh, into I don't know if they formally announced this or if it was leaked, but they 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 launched an investigation into conflict of interest issues around Toto and Susie Wolf mm-hmm. because they both uh, you know they've both been a big deal in motorsports for years, but right now they wear two very different hats, husband uh, and wife. We should add, right? And uh, wouldn't it be wild if there was two people called Wolf who weren't related in Formula One? Mm-hmm. That'd be amazing. Like Babs and Buster Bunny in Tiny Toons. <laughs> right. uh, so, uh, so Susie Wolf is head of F1 Academy, uh, and obviously Toto runs Mercedes. But there were complaints raised by other teams that something, uh, that, like something, was said that intimated that. Total Wolf might be getting access to FOM information, uh, F1 management, uh, which is like the uh, like the, the commercial rights hold, the operator of F1, uh, effectively. Um, that as that it, like via Susie Wolf's role working on F1 Academy, which is sort of a high level thing uh, with FOM, she would be uh, like leaking information to her husband about FOM matters and deliberations that other team principals do not have access to. Mm. The FIA is investigating this. FIA being the international, uh, you know, advocacy organization, but for our purposes, the sporting regulatory body of motorsports and a body that has a fractious history with the F1 teams. Uh, and we appear to be in a phase where that fractiousness is currently waxing. I mean, they need go see our, our yeah. Braun GP podcast. Oh, yeah. Right. Yeah, exactly. If you want some priors on this one. Yeah. So this comes out. FIA is investigating this. And right away, like my reaction when I saw this was like, I don't know if this is going to be a good look for anyone because it seems really petty to be like, Toto's getting access to FOM information about F1 Academy. Like it's not, I don't know what high level stuff is going. I just don't know like how valuable or important uh, and relevant to like uh, F1 teams operations is going to be stuff that like Susie Wolf is dealing with uh, through F1 Academy at this juncture. But either way, it kind of seemed like a weird, let's mess with, Let's mess with someone's family. Let's mess with with our with our, our peers' family. It, de- it definitely makes uh, a bunch of salacious sounding headlines. I'll say that. Like it's a lot it, of like Toto and Susie Wolf under investigation. And you're like, mm-hmm. it's going on. I here mean, I I do see the flip side too. Like you know, it is kind. Of, it is unusual and kind of weird that you have a husband and wife team. Like, look, 
I worked for her husband and wife teams. Hasn't been great. Right. Weird <laughs> dynamics. Don't recommend it. But at the same time, like it, it, it seems a little bit loaded. And Susie's been around motorsports forever. She's, you know, she's she's been there, uh, you know, as long as and in more, frankly, like more legit capacities than Toto has been yeah. uh, for for ages. So anyway, uh, FOM came out and said they hadn't heard anything about this, uh, that the FIA didn't like give them a heads up, uh, that this was, that this was in play. Um, and so they came out and kind of blasted, uh, the FIA, you know, they said, we, we note the public statement made by the FIA was not shared with us in advance. Uh, we have complete confidence. The allegations are wrong. We have robust processes and procedures that ensure the segregation of information and responsibilities in the event of any potential conflict of interest. We're confident no member of our team has made any unauthorized disclosure to a team principal and would caution anyone against making imprudent and serious allegations mm. without substance. So FI and FOM now have yet another thing where they've kind of like they're needling each other. Uh, and then, you know, Susie Wolf, obviously, understandably, not happy about this. Mm. Uh, you know, notes that, you know, this feels like a misogynistic attack uh on her and you know that this is this is sort of a a personal thing uh you know coming coming after uh coming after her specifically uh you know because of you know because of both you know her gender and her relationship so yeah uh it this has all the makings of like kind of in terms of what the actual breach is like real tempest in the teapot energy i think in terms of like what is actually at stake but in terms of like the ability to like generate a tremendous amount of ugliness and bad blood, uh, it feels like a real hornet's nest got kicked yeah. here. We'll, we'll see. I also feel like over the next couple of days, this thing might just die down entirely or might turn into something very ugly. It, it, it mm-hmm. sort of just has only just broken. So we're kind of in the in the wake of that initial stuff. Um, but yeah, it does seem like just a bad look for everyone. And also kind of, I just wonder what evidence there is or because if, it, if it's a very like, he said she well it's not even that but i don't know what it is but it's just very yeah i wonder what brought it up to this level i guess maybe they're one of those couples that uses a shared gmail account <laughs> it's like the hillary clinton emails they have a fucking <laughs> server in their basement that has both fom and fia emails on it and neither the twain should meet um yeah i would have to toto looks to like say. a real home network administrator you know what? I bet one of them has that Valtteri Bottas calendar on their hard drive. That's, <laughs> that's true. What, that's Rob, probably what it was. Please. Uh, uh, let's check in with yeah. said so, Bottas. This isn't news to me because I follow all these guys on Instagram. <laughs> and Instagram, it like once it has a little t- like sense of like what you like, it just gives you more of it. Mm. Like look at a couple of poodle photos. You're gonna be seeing poodles all the time. But uh you know you you keep tabs on Valtteri Bottas one day you're sort of lying there half awake and you see him opening you see him at a gallery an art gallery uh unveiling a painting and it's a painting of him bare ass naked Mm. uh (laughs) next to a bicycle by a lake he puts the ass in Bottas if you will so this is what what all those things were promoting is the fact that he put out a nude calendar uh featuring 
his rear end uh, across the 12 months of the year Terrific. Uh, to raise raise health uh, for uh, uh, Movember, uh, which is the prostate cancer uh, charity. Which, in fairness to him, he's been rocking that mustache, I think, for the entire year. I think, mm-hmm. am I right in that he had that yeah. mustache all the I feel like range? it showed up a couple years ago. I feel like he's oh, been, yeah. He he used to do it like the way Ricardo does the handlebars in Austin. He used to like, it used to turn up, maybe it was in November, November, I have no idea. But I feel like his commitment to it in recent years has been, or maybe I'm wrong, but I feel like he's really, he's really stuck to it of late. Yes, and the other thing he's stuck to is risque photos of him working out in the wilderness like this was he left mercedes and this is why he just his so his his insta just started to like fill up (laughs) with photos of like here here i am skinny dipping in an alpine stream beautiful and it's like man that guy seems so happy and so secure Mm -hmm. good for him he's just chilling we'll talk about how much he's chilling Later on, we talked about his performance <laughs> in 2024. 20, uh, but yeah, fair play to him. $150,000 a race. That's mm-hmm. pretty good. $75,000 a cheek. I like it. <laughs> yeah, uh, unfortunately, uh, they do appear sold out. Um, <sighs> We're going to raise more. I know. I know. The, the article says that they are that they are printing more uh, or they have printed more. I'm not sure. Uh, but they, they would be wise to. It's great. Um, I'll admit... I have some uh, some F one buddies. I bought all of them calendars. Oh, did you really? Terrific! Yes. They stuff. arrived a few days ago. Beautiful. They're tremendous. Excellent. Love it. What's when's mine arriving then? <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. I'll t- I forgot to send you one too. I'll just send you a picture of my ass. How about okay. That? Okay. Okay. Right. We'll exchange. Yeah. yeah. Mine's good. Yeah. Mine's gonna need a bigger piece of paper than yours probably. <laughs> Uh, all right. Well, that is it for news. We're going to take a break and then we will be back with some talking points. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. And we're back with the talking points. I feel like this is a like a mid-90s political show. Let's talk about some points, shall we, gentlemen? Um. Yeah, so, I mean, I took a step back last week and kind of thought, like, okay, what are some of the big, what happened last year? And I went back, I watched a bunch of race replays, I read a lot of articles, I listened to a lot of podcasts, and I just basically created this big document of, like, here's all the stuff that went on. And then I sort of filtered it down to a couple of things that I thought would be easy for people to, without having to do a bunch and bunch of research, some easy stuff to just sort of summarize the year that was in it, um, and also 
you know, just uh, give us an excuse to sort of ramble a little bit about the year that was 2023, because it it was kind of a strange year. Like we, there was a lot of races, the the most races ever. Um, we had a what would on the face of it seem like a boring season, at least for the championship. Uh, or another way of looking at it was the most dominant Formula One display that anyone's ever done. Um, uh. There was some movement with drivers, but not all that much at the start of the season. And then we got a weird one in the middle, which came out of nowhere. Uh, And then we're also in this sort of post-drive-to-survive F1 boom hangover when the demands of the viewing audience is probably higher than ever before. And then this year was one that felt like it was falling short a lot, or at least had a lot of pressure on it. Um, Before we get into some of the sort of stuff that I've collated here um i'm just interested in what you guys kind of feel it's been a week since we talked last about any specific race um what do you guys think drew what do you think first of all about like what 2023 was like what are you going to remember about this year i I mean i'm going to remember uh max's dominance Hmm. i think that is just the the specter that hangs over it hang hanged over it the entire time um you know, coming off of 2022 and it never really like that capped this season's potential for me. There was still some fun to be had. Um, but I think that's, that's the overall narrative. All right. Similar for you, Rob, or. I mean, yeah, like there's no, there's no, like, you know, this is one of those things where the better podcast potter is like, actually I have something, but no, like I think in, in three or four years, this is going to be one of those years that you remember. It's like, what happened that year? Uh, Max and Red Bull won everything. It's <laughs> right. going to be like, what was it? Like Ferrari 2004, um, right. which used to be the benchmark, I think, for like, oh, yeah, remember that season where like Ferrari basically just like ran the table and Schumacher was untouchable. And that doesn't look anything like the level of like dominance we saw this year. Like it is yeah. ridiculous the degree to which like every race was unlocked. I will say this, like I think part of part of it is. You know. Max was incredibly consistent and like, you know, made no real mistakes this year. Also, a team has never put together a car like is that fast and like this reliable, like nothing ever went wrong on his car. Yeah. Um, Which is always partly testament to like how a driver is driving it. And it's partly testament to to how it's being assembled. Uh, So like, you know, the the dominance really is impressive as, as kind of dull as it got. However, I, I do find myself wondering if one reason you don't see this to this extent is the cost cap means that teams have an incentive to decide when they're going to cut bait on a year. Right. And they will do so early to start trying to make up like with investment down the road. And I do wonder if that is one reason like why this period of dominance might feel a little bit like more of a foregone conclusion because you know, it wasn't too long into this where like teams are not going to pull out all the stops to, to try and like change the fortunes of this championship. They're going to start talking about like, well, maybe next year Mercedes was talking about next year after one race. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and we've got 2025, you know, that's yeah. a regulation change. You, I gotta believe that. I mean, teams are going to try their best in 2024, but does the fact that, it is such an upset after that year, move that date where they cut and run 
close. It's 2026 that's the big one, right? Like, isn't that what oh, the did they new move it? the new engine? I think new, so. I know the new okay. engine is 26. Okay, never mind then. Well, no, I, I mean, like... I kind of hope not, yeah. Because I'm hoping we don't have two years. <laughs> well, I hope it's... Well, if I feel like if it's one, it's... Yeah, I do worry that I don't want another... I don't want a fallow year, you know what I mean? Right. Um, a couple of st- stats on Verstappen's dominance. And I think it's been... It's weird. It's like a double-edged sword. It's like he was so dominant. And you're, to your point, uh, Rob, it's, you know, he did, like, it was a fantastic drive. He was consistent. I mean, the car is sort of, you know, he dominated his teammate, but obviously it sounds like the car has sort of been designed towards Max uh, Max's driving style and whatnot. But, um, you know, he, he was consistent throughout it. And every week, even when the championship was done and dusted, he was still um, fighting for it. Um, and the stats... Prove it, I guess. Um, he now has more victories than Sebastian Vettel. He won 86.36 of the races this season, which is the highest in any F1 season ever. He won 34 races out of the last 45. He now has the uh the what well, here are some other stats, I guess, that he has. He has most he has the win record, he has most consecutive wins, most podiums, the biggest gap to second in a championship, the most points scored in consecutive races, most points in a season. He got 92.7 of all the available points this year. That's that crazy. includes getting wins, fastest laps, uh sprints, all that stuff. Percentage of laps led he won, wins from pole. Uh he own he has the global sort of uh um award uh record for that races left with winning the title i think he might have uh drawn with mansell on that one a championship leader for 39 races now in a row um the percentage of points between first and second he has the longest one there longest streak of converting poles to wins as well with 16 so just absolutely insane. And then Red Bull as a team have only failed to win six races um, during the, the period of his uh, his four, those 45 races, the 34 that he won. So just like the type of, I mean, in a way it's funny because in my head I'm like, I don't know. I think my brain just switched off caring about Red Bull about two that <laughs> started this year after last year. But um, it's impressive but it sucks. That's the problem. <laughs> like, it's it's really amazing. And Drac- uh, and Max is clearly an incredible driver. But we don't get to see him be an incredible driver because statistics like this, while obviously mirroring his skill and, you know, impossible for most mortals to achieve stuff like this, they're boring. Like, nobody fucking cares. People care when they see all the overtakes he did against Hamilton in the season he won the championship or like how much he had to fight in those. It's a different type of thing, obviously, and I don't want to downplay it at all. I think it's remarkable what he's done and he's clearly putting himself in, you know, contention for being one of the legends of the sport, especially this young, early in his career. But it's boring and it sucks and who cares? You know what I mean? Well, like, and also, like, I think it highlights, like, it's been a growing feeling for a while. Just like we, we've always talked about the records don't, they're not comparable, right? Like, right. Prost and Senna's records and achievements aren't comparable to when we're talking about like Schumacher or Hamilton. Like, it's just, it's a different sport. The risks are different. Not, like, setting aside just the number of races, like reliability, like everything is yeah, so yeah. different. And if you look at like, 
Schumacher starting like the what for us now is the modern modern era of F1. It's like F1 goes through now a series of eras where a team and a driver just wreck house mm. year on year on year on year. You know, it was like there's the you know the there's the brief interregnum, and then we get uh you know we get you know after Schumacher we get you know years of Red Bull dominance, right? Years of Mercedes dominance, hey. and now we are back to years of Red Bull dominance. No, no one's making documentaries about those seasons. They're making the no. documentary about the Braun season. You know what I mean? Like right, and 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 so I, I think it's one of those things where you know we can talk about. You know, it's like the amassing of these impressive stats after a point it just kind of becomes meaningless because it's like, yeah, you're, you're great. You're beating all the records that the last guy set after beating all the records that the right, last, last guy, guy before set, him right. set. Yeah. Uh, and, I, and I think the other but the other part of it is, you know, we talked about like, why did the Mercedes years feel a little bit less grating? In general, there was some sort of sense of a rival being that internal where you had Rosberg yeah. and Hamilton having a few really knockdown drag out championship duels um not just the one that rossberg like you know nipped out from under him like the year before that they've been going hammer and tongs as well hey even even bottas even though he never got close to him once all the points were counted at the end of a season got way more of a sniff of it than checo absolutely but like yeah you just don't have a sense of i think this is where the schumacher comparison actually was really apt because like there's just been no internal threat whatsoever no No desire uh, for it could be either no and i think it's a little bit unfor like you know who knows what max who knows what max cares about but in terms of like i think it is unfortunate for the how he's going to be regarded and how this is going to be remembered because he's a protagonist without an antagonist like it is just he went out there he drove away from everyone like 20 times that is not compelling yeah exactly yeah which i think sucks for him as well you know what i mean that 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 like to have done all of this and have such an amazing year and i'm sure for sapping fans probably have really enjoyed it and i think that's really i'm glad for them and i think that's really great but it it doesn't it doesn't like give you goosebumps you know what i mean like those in a way the 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 statistics are sort of like this cold reality check (laughs) you know what i mean (laughs) that like yeah so many times when when David Croft was like, and he's won the most races ever. Like, yeah. are we supposed like, to be excited uh, about that? Yeah. Or is it just an indicator of kind of what we're watching here? Like it, it just reminds on, me of on Schumacher some level, years. I am like, really, it's, it's amazing to be watching this, right? Hmm. This is, he's one of the greats of all time. The same thing when we were watching Hamilton, right? It's like, I, I didn't watch the Schumacher era. People talk about him. Like he is a God, right? But, but they also, talk about like i it was like right. so it, it's, in it, the same way people were bored to tears of it yes like i think more people dropped off formula one in those years probably than just about any other year i can imagine because yeah. it just became a procession so it's it's not it's the same i guess it, you know it's like it's you, there's a cost i guess to this type of dominance and it's that people get bored and they move on and that's not good for anyone you know so and it sucks. Yeah, well, it sucks to, to talk about his success and his achievements with this big qualifier. But I think given where we are in F1 sort of like recent boom, it must make everyone feel a little bit uneasy that like, you know, we had a season like this that, you know. I mean, that's the nature of it being a sport right. and not a TV show. Yeah. 
Vince McMahon well, was like, in charge, it'd be different. <laughs> look, man, I'm here in New England. I've been, I was, I lived in New England throughout the entire New England Patriots dynasty. Let right. me tell you, like, it was not the most enjoyable thing in the world to watch. And to a degree, like, even that fandom, like, it could only be disappointed, but like, it wasn't, it wasn't necessarily the most fun experience ever uh the the nature of these things like dynasties like this are, are kind of weird to see when whenever something is this this dominant you know people can enjoy the wins but also there gets this sense of like what well, kind of winning is the only thing now because there's not much there's not much of a contest to it um and yes yeah. Let's refine ourselves. And I, I feel like in 1v1 team sports or 1v1 anything, right, you always have that thing where, like, on any day, anyone yep. might snatch it. And, you know, you get it in tennis, you get it in golf, you get it in football, you get upsets, right? Everyone loves the underdog. In the in a cup competition in soccer, you're always watching that, like, League 2 team. Let's see if they're able to beat the Premier League team. And there's all that pressure there. And you just don't get that in racing like that. You know what I mean? It just I mean no. you do, but it is it is a different the calculation's different. Cause you've got yeah. you've got a you like Max could always crash out, but that's yeah. Or like, like you know, you go to a you go to a track where you know the, the car just isn't strong. Right. Um, but that's and you like can get a whatever, surprise there. You know, or like you have a wet race or something. Like it can happen. Um, but I feel like the yeah, it, for some reason, it just feels like a a longer shot. Yeah, or it's or the or the the feeling of of triumph for the other team or person. It's not like if the Bears bet like Tom Brady's Patriots, right? It's not the same as when like signs won Singapore this year. You know what I mean? Like it's yeah. not. It doesn't have this isolated. You can have these isolated sporting moments that feel like triumphs from underdogs, but you don't. The only way you get that in F1 is if you have a situation where like a, like a rookie or a younger driver who's never won anything or like Alonso. If Alonso had won a race this year, that would have been one of those feelings. But we didn't even get that, you know. So I think it's a problem that motorsport sort of suffers a bit is that even when somebody like Verstappen has a, you know, a bit of bad luck or the wrong pit strategy or a safety car at the wrong time. It doesn't even feel that great. It feels a little bit cool to see someone else win, but it's not the same as, you know, in some other sports. You don't get that little micro excitement, you know. Um, yeah, I don't know. Well, let's talk about some excitement, Danny, or some, yeah. some other things that, you know, when we've got the one big thing that we just try to ignore, what else are we looking at? Well, the other thing that happened this year that was the big sort of, uh, you know, a lot of headlines, a lot of chat about was what happened with Nick DeVries. Obviously, him sort of, it was a bit of a shock that he lost his seat, but also not a shock. It seemed like it was on the cards, but then when it happened, it seemed to happen quite quickly. Uh, and then uh, Danny Ricardo coming into the sport was obviously a huge headline given what he had sort of, you know, him losing his seat at the start of this year. And then him getting injured and having Liam Lawson going. Yeah. There was like, it was, you know, in a year in which we didn't have all that much um, drama with new drivers or, you know, this driver really needs to buck it up or they're going to lose their seat, I guess, except for DeVries. Um, this was kind of the only bit of that action we got this year. And it was very dramatic. Yeah, I mean, uh, <laughs> the thing about driver seat swaps is like, or at least for me, you know, you, I really feel for the guys when that stuff happens, but it is like really exciting and a fun shakeup. 
Uh, and, and yeah, it's a season that needed it. Uh, and so I'm glad <laughs> that rotating seated off a towery was, was there to keep us entertained. And, you know, it's fun to see how they do, right? When you just plop a driver in there. It's, you know, I guess I feel bad for DeVries, though, because, like, that car was such a dog. <laughs> like, that like that car was bad. And, yes, he was bad in it, but I still contend, like, the things that were happening to him all pointed to, like, things that appear to be deeper issues with the car. I'm, I'm very curious, like, if we ever get the full story on this, like, why was there so little vote of, con- like, confidence coming into this? Like, they were clearly not bought in on DeVries like this mm. was a we're putting him in this car we're gonna give it a shot but like the leash was short uh yeah. for 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 where he where he started and the other part of this is I really you know I was talking about earlier being kind of amazed that James Vowles appears to have been on the level uh having that level of patience <laughs> for uh, Logan Sargent I really didn't think that Red Bull were genuinely invested in Daniel Ricciardo like I thought the whole like reserve driver thing, like re-signing him, I thought it was a weird like. Eh, we like the guy; it's good. Yeah, it's good. We we'll get good press. He's 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 got that Red Bull athlete thing going. Like Daniel Ricardo, mm. long after his results have really stopped being top of the table, uh, is still like a compelling figure in in a field that sometimes is a bit starved for personality yeah. uh, and extroversion. And so I I really didn't think that when they sort of brought him back into the fold, that there was an actual roadmap and intention to get him back in a Red Bull race seat. Yeah, it's uh, it, it, that it, it seemed to be the only answer, though, once DeVries was sort of out. Um, I do wonder if some of DeVries is he came in with such confidence. I remember that, that passing remark at the end of that drive to survive season when he was like, I'm going to come and I'm going to like dominate, you know, Sonoda, basically. Um and uh that I episode wonder is so fact, funny in retrospect i know i do wonder if the fact that he's 28 you know he sort of had a bit more of a career and hadn't really maybe you know sort of gone bettered himself at a rate at which they sort of expect of some of these younger fellas now well yeah i mean he, he won the formula two championship he won a formula e championship right and yeah he's 28 comes in and doesn't you know burn it yeah. up that i think is maybe the most uh the the clearest example of maybe why yeah maybe they see if they see something in him maybe his mentality or the way he's attacking the you know the training or whatever it is maybe if they see it in somebody who's that older they're like oh we can't teach an old dog new tricks i don't know i have no idea (laughs) ancient 20 year old helmet marco finishing school won't uh (laughs) won't work yeah exactly um uh, let's have a little uh, quick. Uh, first of all, actually, we're talking about the popularity. I want to look at some um, figures that I found here. Uh, viewership from uh, 2020 was about 87.65 million uh, per race, I believe. No, that can't be right. That must be in total. Uh, it was 70 million this year. So it is down a bit. Average. I think that's probably average viewership. I think that's average viewership per race. Yes, per race. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and then average, but average attendance per race was actually higher. And this might have something to do with just them sort of going to places that sprints, ha- Danny, they can fill up. Sure, maybe sprints, maybe the fact that China wasn't on the calendar for two years in a row <laughs> right. helped us out, but it's up to 300,000 people. And uh, in 2017, it was about 203,000 uh, in 2000. And uh, which those numbers 19. are weird, right? Because that is yeah. like, uh, that is 
for the weekend and you can count multiple the people this uh, multiple yes. times yes because yeah, you yeah. could go to you know friday saturday and sunday and that's three mm. yeah fair but in any case if they do it if they do that's it still consistently year about, on year yeah you're still talking about like a like a 50 percent increase basically uh yoy on that or since yeah since 2019 the covid years obviously are in there in the middle as well so maybe they create like a, an artificial bump when people can finally leave their goddamn houses again uh, let's do a quick little rundown of the teams before we uh move on out of this um the uh I'll, let's how about we divvy these up a little bit how about we just sort of like if anyone wants to jump in and take one of these themselves um I'll I'll do Alfa Romeo just for fun because they're such a weird little situation. I think Joe had a bad year. I, I don't think it was particularly um, uh, impressive. And I think Bottas is... <laughs> him and Magnussen, I feel like, are a little bit in their Kimi Raikkonen last year's where they're just kind of chilling a bit, which I get. Um, so I don't I don't know how they should feel about this year at all. Uh, and also they're doing the cyber thing next year, right? So I don't know if there's much of a shakeup going on there with the car, but I think, I don't know. I think of all the teams, they seem like one of the ones that's most lost because I I think Joe needs to maybe kick it up a gear. Like he should be trying to beat Bottas if Bottas is at this stage of his career. This is sour energy, man. Like this is, <laughs> this is the thing. Like if you took the Alfa Romeo of it out, you're like, oh yeah. That's sauber, yeah, and I, I, An old I feel guy like that's in a, in a young, yeah, that's kind of what's maybe. in play here. And like, man, that car kind of sucks, and they're just kind of running around and not really accomplishing a lot. Uh, I, and I think it's made weirder by the fact that you know, I think we had greater expectations of this team back when they were Alfa Romeo, and we have greater expectations of it for whenever. Audi comes in and whenever Audi is willing to start admitting that like you actually start publicizing the fact that they're like committed to this uh, relationship. But, but yeah, it's like, I think it's this weird place because this team is just kind of in this weird, like, uh, you know, gulch hmm. between the Alfa Romeo era. And then what promises to be a much more well-heeled era under Audi. But for now, they look like a backmarker team in some ways because historically they have been a backmarker team. Uh, Alpha Tauri on the other side. How do we how do we feel about them, Drew? Any any hard thoughts I mean, about those guys? Yeah, we we kind of talked about yeah. uh, you know their their second seat, but I think their their first seat, Tsunoda. This was I think he has only gotten stronger uh, as the years have gone by. He, he to to think of him as like the old hand at this team is is kind of funny. Yeah, um, but. Maybe it shouldn't be because he, I don't know. I'm not looking at data here, but he seemed to me just emotionally consistent. Uh, Alpine, I feel like are one of the hardest ones to pin down. I they never know yeah. what to think of this team, it's whether so it's Renault or Lotus yeah. or Alpine. It's always a mystery to me. And they're just kind of swimming around the, it's, you know, between 10th and 12th kind of out there a little bit. They feel like, like they were, like Gasly's up there in like fourth for yeah. the whole race, right? Like yeah. it's just, it's confounding. And Akan had a, had a decent season, I would say as well. Like neither of them, I don't think set it on fire. I I would put them on the positive end of the, of the, of the middle, but like they didn't have a bad year, but they, I don't know. It's, I guess it's just Which like, is funny because Aston Martin, I think I would. I would right. say emotionally, I would put them at the the back of the middle, 
Oh, that's but such a weird they, I think, finished with more points. But that's right? such a weird. That's such a Jekyll yeah. and Hyde year, right? Because like obviously. Alonso had a fantastic start, right? He had like what, like six podiums this year, I think. He was second multiple times, uh, and then uh, his teammate unfortunately had a sort of a rotten middle period. But then he actually ended up finishing the season pretty well. His last like f- you know three or four races, and then sort of if if we stick McLaren in here, they had almost the exact opposite, where McLaren started off and were in no man's land mm-hmm. and were. Uh, arguing arguably fighting with the alpines and then you had a situation where i think norris got like four or five second place positions as well like he ended up doing really well especially in the latter half of the season mclaren is like the wildest comeback story (laughs) this year where it was like that car that looked like oh man they're they're just completely lost this is gonna be a lost season norris gonna be losing his mind etc and then (laughs) They, they were like, we opened up that wind tunnel, and then that car started getting <laughs> real good, real fast. They they start turning in great results uh, and, like, move into fourth. Move into fourth in the championship, and, like, you know, really, if there were another, you know, ten races left in the season, do we think they stay in fourth, or do we think they might, like, you know, nab third? I think they might. Like, they they might be able to, you know, close in on that, on that Ferrari. Um like, and I think that's where you sort of see, if I'm McLaren, I feel really confident coming out of the season because like yeah. the ability to rally and like develop and get the car pulled, like pulled in the right direction over, over a season is really exciting. Whereas Aston Martin, they can say that like, man, you know, that middle period where like our car sucked and Lance <laughs> looked like he was, uh, you know, criminally incompetent. Yeah, like done That's with the because we were we were doing like wild experiments, to like try to make next year's car better. And maybe that's true. Maybe that's part of the strategy of like, we're going to go all in now of, you know, we're, we're going to build out that 2024 car, but it looked gnarly. Yeah. That was a, that was a weird vibe for the season. And I can't, you can't, you can't sell me on the idea that it was their strategy to make the boss's son look like crap for <laughs> months. Well, Hey, read this. What do you think then of the McLaren duo? Because you could argue that 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 might be like the strongest pairing on the grid. You could like, I think Ferrari and we'll get to Mercedes. I think Russell had a pretty rotten year, but uh, you know, Piastri really came good on his rookie season, and Lando this year looked like, you know, you you, you now you're looking at Lando going, could this guy win a championship? Like in the right car, like he. He, they both got a lot. I think they both had a good season. What, what do you make of Rob? I think that's going to be a problem. Okay. Because <laughs> I think, like, I look, it's a good problem to have. But Pastry did have a hell of a rookie season. A hell of a rookie mm. season. And there really haven't been many teams that have, like, two drivers who are actually a number one, like, talent that can coexist peacefully for very long right and i suspect once it is no longer mclaren versus the world mclaren versus like you know starting on the back foot i think the odds of that becoming a little bit weird just in terms of the vibe are very very high and Mm -hmm. i suspect that sooner than you might think mclaren's gonna have to decide about like which of these guys makes the most sense to commit to because whoever doesn't feel like they're getting the love. You, you know, Drew, you're talking about that bloodbath coming up as like contracts are running out. 
we're due for some retirements. You know, if any, if either one of these guys has the vibe that like, man, I should be winning more races mm. and like team politics, they're privileging the other guy over me. Either of these guys gets that feeling, you know, they're going to be very susceptible to the argument coming from, you know, other teams, maybe a team like Alpine, for instance, being like, <laughs> we're designed around you. Don't you want to come here and like have oh, it, it all work. be about you? did work for daniel i think lando sees that as a cautionary tale maybe um let's move on to the uh the two ferrari cars i guess uh ferrari and and haas two teams of ferrari engines both teams that you could argue definitely in haas's case were better on saturday than sunday um what did you make of them drew i guess ferrari and and you know if you want to chat about haas a little bit too uh yeah i mean i'm i'm kind of forced to just go off vibes here um it's just like what i kind of felt about these teams over over the season but um i felt better about ferrari than i have in a long time and i think i chalk it up to uh fred fred seems like a, a a steady hand um i i i wanted to see what a stable ferrari can do Hmm. Uh, and I feel like I'm, I'm seeing what that might look like Haas. Oh man. They just, yeah. they can't get it together. I just, I want to see, I want to see, uh, better performance. I feel worse. Cause for it's not fun, right? It's just uh, like you get these exciting Saturdays and then like, well, yeah. it doesn't really mean anything. Especially Hulkenberg, who like Magnuson didn't have a great year. It's Magnuson, not a comeback story. Yeah, yeah. Magnuson had like the year of a new dad, where maybe he had his like his uh, his eye was in a different direction, his priorities had shifted, perhaps. Um, he was doing all right, but Hulkenberg, amazing comeback story, and especially like he was some of his qualification was just outrageous. He was getting knock arm positions. It didn't, but then. Come Sunday, it was just like a slow death of him getting, you know, eventually overtaken by everyone until he's like sitting in, you know, 16th or something. And it's how many years of this with Haas where it's like, yeah, Yeah. oh man, they like, maybe they've got it together this year. And then they just like coast backwards over the course of the race. And it's like, it is, it is really dismaying because I'm like, I'm like Charlie Brown with the football. Every year I have those moments where I'm like, damn, they qualify the shit out of that car. <laughs> All right. We got a we got a new player at this table. And then it's like, okay, well, we're five laps into the stint. They're running two seconds off off the uh off the lead. Uh we've seen this movie before. The way Hulkenberg and, and uh Magnuson would just converge in the race, mm. despite Hulkenberg starting from like eight places out from qualifying. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, Man, this car sucks. It's like, hey, bu- hey, buddy, when they both end up like together at the back of the grid, which is um, make it, makes it all the more surprising that like you're telling me Gene Haas wasn't like, oh, yeah, Andretti, I'll take your billion dollars. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's amazing. Yeah. What makes uh, us think that uh, maybe Gene Haas hates uh, the Andrettis? He may oh, very yeah, well. Like, could, there, there could be some American motorsports beef there. We don't know. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Another team with asymmetric um, drivers, you could argue, uh, is Williams. Alex Albon had a I could argue terrific that. career. Uh, Logan I don't even Sargent. have to be a debate champion. To... No, I guess we did a little bit chat about it earlier. Um, yeah, Logan Sargent obviously had a tricky rookie year. Albon really made good, seemed to get that Williams in places that, again, seemed like it, it wouldn't be in, in the hands of another driver. I want to talk to you guys about Mercedes, though, our last team here. Uh, last year, Russell 
really had the best of Hamilton. Um, and this year it seemed to swap the other way again. Lewis was almost Prost-like in his drive. He was not often really racing at the front, but just was able to always accrue like top five points. Like he was very good at being up there, getting the points, and obviously it benefited him in the in the uh, the drivers' championship. Uh, Russell seemed to struggle this year. I felt. Um, what do you guys make of what's going on over at Mercedes? I mean, I think they they struggled a lot with their car, and I I, I don't know. I think um, at different times they were one was on top of it or the other was, you know, and it just kind of shook out that I guess the experienced one grappled it better. That's kind of my feeling. I think there's a little bit of deceptiveness about last year because like Mercedes later kind of confirmed this was the case, which was Hamilton went into skunk works mode and they began like throughout last year, they began throwing a lot of weird setup stuff and a lot of weird dev work at him uh, to try and like get the team out of the cul-de-sac that they were, that they were stuck in and Russell was just optimizing for race pace. And so was, you know, he, he was, he was optimizing to compete in races and Hamilton fundamentally wasn't. And so Russell like had this really impressive season where it looked like, okay, that, you know, this might be the, the next, the next generation uh, in place at Mercedes. I think if I'm, I think I'm a Russell fan or if I'm Russell, I think there's some things I find alarming about this. Um, one is that with the pressure on a little bit, some of that unflappable cool and poise that we saw in the lowered expectations world of Williams cracked <laughs> uh, this year, uh, you know, peevish hmm. on the radio uh, trying to, you know, manage from the, from the race seat, but like really trying to do too much. And it's not like, he's speaking from the position of moral authority where he's totally nailing it. Mm. And the team is the one letting him down. Like there were a lot of times where kind of the response could have been to George, like, dude, just drive, just drive the car, man. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, if you're concerned about where we're going to play, it's just like, here's the thought, be faster. Uh, The other, like, and I keep coming back to Singapore as just like, that was not a good mistake. No, like there's misfortune and like, you know, stuff happens out on the racetrack. That was not a good mistake to make. Uh, but it was, I, fe- I fear, a revealing one, right? Mm-hmm. Which was like he had this golden opportunity to compete for this race. But even before that, he had been like losing time to Hamilton. And really, the team maybe should have swapped Hamilton around in front because he he was able to like hold more pace in that car. And then Russell just tunnel visioned onto the back of Lando's car, lost awareness, and took himself out. That is not the stuff of which champions are made. It could be a major learning moment for him, but uh, like suddenly there's there's cracks in the facade that I hadn't seen before. But now I find them kind of concerning. Uh, to wrap up our little uh, talking points section here, a couple of races of the year. You mentioned Singapore. Worth uh, bringing that one mm. up. Signs mm-hmm. uh, holding off the Mercedes using... Lando Norris as a sort of a DRS buffer between them expertly. Um, Signs versus the Red Bulls at Monza. Uh, the deluge of rain that came from oh. Zandvoort. Oh, so good. Uh, God, what inter- a race. Uh, yeah, absolutely great. And then the surprise of Las Vegas being such a an interesting uh, battle on the street there. Um, 
you know the temperatures may be favoring the 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 tires and the strategy and you know an interesting looking track if nothing else um i want to give a shout out to uh qatar for the fia mandate that the tires could do no more than 18 laps (laughs) so weird (laughs) so strange yeah yeah let's spin the wheel let's let's have a weird rule every race you know what i mean like put the sprinklers on there too um yeah, and I guess just to wrap it up, you know, what do you guys, if you had a, any hope for next year, what would it be? Is there anything, the obvious one to go for, I guess, is is that we have a bit more competition at the, the top of the pack. Is there anything else you guys are interested in or anything you'd like to see? Any driver you'd like to see make good next year? Uh, any- I am, I think, most excited to see how Williams does. Right. Like they've been so bad for so long and they're on the upswing and they've got this new, the James Val's energy. It's just, it's, uh, yeah. So curious to see where that goes. Once again, like Drew kind of took mine. Like I'm right there. I'm like, <laughs> no, but it's true. It's like, they're an interesting story because like, how, like Val's the entire year has had this vibe of like, Vowels took over this ramshackle weird old family business like <laughs> after it had been run by these incompetent bankers for like two or three years and now they're starting to look like a race team you got Albin with his like new lease on life and mm. really Logan Sargent with an even newer lease on life uh, <laughs> it's they are they are in a, a really really interesting place uh, so I think that's like my, the, my positive like vibe that I want to pick up I am just so curious what Alpine looks like in the coming years because just as a program it seems absolutely foobar over there and maybe like cleaning Laurent Rossi out of there and Omar and all that like is all necessary but just doesn't feel great over there and the two drivers don't like each other and I think next year, especially if we're going to get all this um, contract malarkey at the end of the year, I think that bodes well for some interesting, you know, inter uh, or yeah, inter uh, team battles as well as folks really try and make themselves stand out either, either for the team that they're on or the team that they want to go to. So I'm excited for that, if nothing else, because I think we lacked a lot of that this year. Everyone seemed to be pretty comfortable and there was just so much weirdness with like which team was in in the ascendancy at any one time that it was hard to kind of keep your eye on that so yeah and obviously i'm excited for china to come back that circuit's cool and you know yeah. I, I, well, glad to have the longest straight in formula one history back <laughs> yeah uh and there you go well let's take it to some emails shift f1 podcast at gmail.com or f1.cool slash emails rob zachney what do we have uh this one I don't. It feels so familiar. So maybe I'd marked it off earlier, but I, I, if if it sounds really familiar as I read it, just let me know. Okay. Uh, maybe maybe we, well, we read this before and I just didn't mark it correctly. But Chris writes, uh, "It's my first full season watching F one. I wanted to ask: Are we experiencing an uncharacteristically civil and incidentless season? Incidents seem far few and far between, and all the drivers seem to be extremely friendly with a little butting of heads." Is this typical? Are they standard F1 season? And this drive to survive warped me into thinking it would be something like the real Housewives of Monaco meets Twisted Metal? <laughs> or has an uncompetitive <laughs> season at the top led to less aggressive driving, less hot-headedness on the grid? Bing! It's that one. <laughs> I think the minute... Like, you also see this anytime like a, a championship is done and dusted. Like, people get way more simpatico with each other. People chill out. 
But in general, uh, when there's a season where, you know, there's always going to be, you know, fights with your teammate, you're always going to be a little insecure about your teammate. But when you've got a season where it's like, man, we are not, we're not in the championship, huh? We are, we are not racing for wins here. The temperature goes down so much and it just becomes like a fraternity of drivers that are out there. Unless something really egregious happens on the track the stakes aren't that high, but the minute you have people fighting for wins uh, and wins matter a tremendous amount, forget championship, but like once wins are on the line consistently at first, you know, people will keep it clean and there'll be, there'll be good vibes. But if you keep running into each other on the track and, and fighting for those wins, eventually things will happen that like set people against each other. Like if I think if Charles Leclerc and Max Verstappen don't have like completely diverging fortunes, uh, you know, subsequent to like 2019 or whatever. Yeah. Maybe I think those there. guys probably hate each other. But it was diffused because Max pulled away uh, and Ferrari kind of entered the wilderness a little bit. I would, yeah, I'd be interested to know if it does feel like we didn't have that many crazy crashes this year. Although I will say that it was Australia this year that they did the standing start and that everyone crashed, right? So, mm-hmm. and then they basically said, okay, we're never doing those again, right? There was the whole like, is this sport, is this spectacle argument that we were having after the first race? And, you know, that's where you get a lot of these is, you know, starts of races and who knows, maybe that also maybe stripped away some of that. We, did, we didn't, I don't remember any bad crashes, you know what I mean? Like Alonso in Australia comes to mind, obviously Grosjean. Uh, in Bahrain or in Qatar, no, La Salle, wasn't it that one? Yeah, um, we had you know, you know even Russell and 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 Bottas in uh, it was Imola, wasn't it? Yeah. Um, there's a there's a you know there has been some of those. I can't quite remember. Lando's one at Vegas was a bit nasty, but thankfully yeah. it was okay. Um, well, and the Russell the Russell of Altery one is illuminating because like there, the stakes were who was going to drive that Mercedes the next yeah, year. Totally. Like yeah. it is the minute like that the, these guys start to fear each other as like, you're the guy keeping me from my dream, be it a mm-hmm. race win or whatever. That is where like all this, you know, bromance stuff goes out the window and we just haven't had that. Yeah. I take this next one. Yeah. Mike writes in, I've pondered what the recent periods of dominance by Red Bull and Mercedes tell us about actual driver skill. When talking about the greatest drivers of all time, we often reference championships, won, points, podiums, etc. Are we making the assumption that good drivers always get their chance in a competitive car? What if they don't? I'm not going to claim that Max Lewis, Michael, and the other multiple-time champions are not great drivers. Instead, I'll ask what driver never had the stars align in terms of getting a seat with the right team at the right time. Hulkenberg seems to drive the Haas beyond its limits in qualifying, but the car just doesn't have the pace, a race pace for him to bag too many points. Did Force India or Renault ever really give uh, him a racing car? P.S. Will we ever see Stoffel Van Dorn in F1 seat again? No. Aww. We'll say no to that one. He unfortunately was not unstoppable. He was quite stoppable, it mm. turns out. Um, I mean, yeah, this is... I feel like something that comes up a lot when you talk about F1 is, is the, you know, it's and any sports like, you know, who's Patrick Mahomes right now. One of the best quarterbacks in leagues got an amazing offensive lineman. And, you know, his, his defense, first of all, is, is incredible on the chiefs are winning so much because of that. And then he's got a good O line in front of him. So it's like, you know, I'm sure it happens in basketball as well. It definitely happens in soccer. You know, there's all, it's all, never just one person. Right. Um, I think there's a fairly, uh people sort of assume that you don't 
if someone's a diamond, they tend to end up with a good team eventually. Like you, you don't often have somebody who spent their entire career in the wrong cars. Like nobody's really coming to mind. The only ones that come to mind a little bit are the really great drivers who ended up being number two drivers, like Barrichello or Ferrari yep. or something like that. Um, where you're like in another era or maybe even in another car against Michael, who maybe, or like Massa when Alonso was, was number one. Um, so you get into those situations. Um, Rosberg, I think was the interesting one of those that came good, which is really interesting. Hmm. And then it was so hard on him that he just pieced out. He was like, well, that was the worst year of my life. I'm done with F1. I'll become a YouTuber. Uh, Liam Lawson, also now a YouTuber. Go check out his channel. He's uh, he's doing vlogs and stuff. Um, uh, what about Antonio Giovinazzi? Giovinazzi. Oh, I don't know. Huh? Giovinazzi. Huh? Like, I feel like Guan Yu Zhou is a bit of a Giovinazzi right now. He's kind of like... My actual I'm, answer. Okay. And I'm surprised Rob didn't say it. Bobby K. Robert Kibitza. Kibitza. That's a great pick. Yeah. But, yeah. you know, I mean, the car accident is why yeah. he's not a championship. Like, he was yeah. good. Like, you know, apparently the Ferrari deal was basically inked. He was awful. He was, it was going to happen. Um, and that that damned rally race, uh, that, that accident. But, yeah, like, that's a good pull. Yeah, I think hands down in the modern era, the great what if is if Robert Kubica doesn't have that accident, does he end up being like the defining talent of the late 2000s <laughs> into like the mid-teens? I think there's a decent chance he would have. Like him and like, he, man, we saw a bit in that Braun documentary, him and Seb Vettel getting their wires crossed up. Yeah. Uh, imagine if he'd been there yeah. for that entire era. Right. Yeah. I, I think to Mike's question though, we don't, I, I honest I think the way we all talk about F1 is like I think obviously when you look at it over years like Max or Lewis or Schumacher like there's an obvious like greatness that's there in their consistency and mentality and able to like dial it in and all that sort of stuff but like I don't think I you know like anything in life there's a certain amount of luck or privilege or right time or whatever it was that contributed to it so I don't look at like I don't necessarily look at other drivers who won championships or almost won championships and think that they're like infinitely worse. It just, it feels like the baseball thing where it's like the worst player in MLB, right? Is like the worst out of thousands of players, but they're still in the top 001% of best yeah. baseball players in the world. So it's hard to, to like compress it that way. You know, are they different from, you know, would I put Rosberg or Massa or Barrichello or, you know, whoever else button even who won a championship, but was very lucky. Would I put them in the same realm as, as you know, Senna and Schumacher and Hamilton and what's looking increasingly like Max Verstappen? Probably not, but you know, there's more data there. You've had years and years and years. And I don't think you have people fall through the cracks. Although Bobby K is a really good call. I don't know. I, I, I do think, uh, I think people fall through the cracks all the time. Like, yeah. I think it is just things do not like I think Hulkenberg's kind of a quintessential example of he yeah. was never in the right place at the right time. And to an extent, you know, always say like, well, is there something about the guy that causes it to go that way? Maybe. But like you look at the teams that Hulkenberg drove for. There's not a mystery about like, damn, why didn't the, the wins come? Like he was he was always in those teams that were trying to break through into the next level. But 
when he showed up on the scene, he was a phenomenal talent and was like, you know, driving beyond the limits of the cars he was driving, which made him a great pick, an invaluable person to pull for teams that needed someone to drive beyond a car with like a lower ceiling than they would <laughs> otherwise want. Uh, and so that's how career ends up getting wasted. You end up like trying to justify yourself to a room full of school children uh, at a Microsoft <laughs> store. You know, this is I, I, I think it is once a guy starts having success and you know, becomes that guy within team. They don't permit challengers, uh, you know, in the territory. The team doesn't want to rock the boat. Nobody, you know, nobody's like, let, let's let steel sharpen steel. Uh, once you got a good thing going, it right. it moves into a very protective mode. Daniel Kvyat. <laughs> Look, man, he's he's looking forward to Christmas. Going to open up another bottle of vodka oh and drink by himself. The fucking. <laughs> <laughs> that Christmas, that the virtual grimace. Christmas card to so his fans. Grim. I feel Should bad I for him. Next one, literally every single time I see uh, a Kelly PK at a race, it's just like Jesus. It's like some Game of Thrones nonsense. Uh, yeah, Drew, you want to take the, this? Is this is this the last email? Could be. Uh, okay. Yeah. All right. Uh, Billy writes, "Hey, gents, love the pod. I live in Kansas City and have been an F1 fan since 2007, but the recent popularity boom, thanks to the." Perfect intersection of the Drive to Survive show and the uh, 2021 season World Drivers uh, Championship title has been great in bringing fresh energy, and that is no different for Kansas City. Pathlight Brewery in the KC suburb of Shawnee has been open since 2020 and shows every single race live, whether it's 6 a.m. for a European race or middle of the night for faraway races like Australia, Japan, and Las Vegas. Uh, At the height of 2021, and then the most of the 2022 season, the entire brewery was absolutely packed for every single race. So much so that a long line would form outside the brewery an hour and a half before each race as people waited to grab a choice table. Another thing I wanted to draw attention to, since my friends and I usually play at the brewery during races, is the Formula Day board game. By the way, that's spelled formula and then the initial D. Okay. Uh, if you haven't heard of it, I don't blame you since it is currently in its third edition and not exactly flying off the shelves. <laughs> I won't bore you with the minute details of the rules, but I would say that for a tabletop rendition, it generally picks up on a lot of the mental aspects of taking on each track. Mm. The coolest part is that out of that the out-of-print second edition had expansion packs that contained F1 tracks used roughly between 1988 and 2004. Ooh. So you can race at all your favorite tracks. I will include some pictures of my personal favorites. Uh, it is quite hard to compile all of these classic printings, but as you would expect with as strong an intersection of committed fans as F1 and board gamers, the online community has not only kept up with current tracks, but also made it so anyone can print off most of the out-of-print tracks as well. If you ever find yourselves in Kansas City, make your way to the Pathlight and find the table with the board game version of whatever F1 track is racing that weekend. Damn. Maybe I want to go to Shawnee. I've been to Shawnee before. Have uh, you? Oh, of uh, course. Fr- friend of our, <laughs> a mutual friend of ours, Dan Reichert, uh, had me to uh, his hometown of Lawrence, Kansas. He's He's been for- on the show. He's been, he has been, has he been on the show? Was he on the show? Yeah, we, we did a talent swap where oh, he watched no. an F1 race and I watched... WrestleMania. Wrestling? Oh no. God, I forgot about that. Um, yeah, he had me over for Thanksgiving one year and we hung out and we hit up all the places, man. Olathe, Lawrence, all the good spots, uh, Shawnee. So have, have you all played Formula Day? No, I, never. I own a copy of it, but I have okay. never played it. Is it good? 
surprisingly so. It's it's All really right. nifty. I think the it the one thing I'll cool. tell you is that yeah, you like you choose a gear and the gear determines how many like you roll a different like number sided die, so like a d20 for like sixth gear. Oh. Uh so like you could just go flying down the fucking track with that and like first gear is like a d4. Uh and the but the cool thing that they do is like your car has mechanical like reliability points that you move a little thing to track like how much damage effectively you've done to components. And so you can do things like I'm gonna overcrook it into this this corner and I'm gonna need to dump too much speed and I won't be able to just do that by like downshifting one gear to like get a die roll that's gonna be safe for me. So I am just going to downshift like two gears. And that's going to inflict a point of damage on my gearbox because it's like you're skipping a gear yeah. and like just beating the hell out of the transmission. And so now you force yourself to slow down. Maybe you still get unlucky, you roll too much. Now you're going too deep into the corner. Well, now you can take damage points on your brakes to like sort of stop yourself before you like go into another car. And so like you do that too often, your car falls apart. Uh, and so it's like <laughs> it ends up being a really good race, a really good board game about like, putting a lap together and trying to be smooth but using board game mechanics it's uh, and it's uh, like the, kind of feels like racing there's a picture over here it's uh, there's one with like it's clearly monaco it's got like grass cast and Antonino that's the only one i've raced uh oh, really? yeah, that's, monaco's cool. the pack yeah. <laughs> that's good stuff there you go there you go that's an appropriate one to end it on uh, a board game maybe a christmas present you could grab somebody oh. the formula one fan in your life well, uh, thank you for all of the emails, uh, shift F1 podcast at gmail.com or F1.cool slash emails. Uh, you can also hit us up on the socials using the links in the show notes. Uh, that's us around the internet. Do you want to take us around the world, Danny? Do you have around the world on? Kind of. Okay, let's race around the world. <laughs> yeah. uh, I will link to an autosport article uh, in the show notes. <laughs> Called Motorsport Events 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 <laughs> to watch during w- the winter break and how to watch them. Oh, cool! Uh, so I'll just shout some out here. Starting on December eighth, the twenty four hour series. Uh, their next race is in Kuwait. Mm. Uh, there's a lot of lot of golf stuff going on here. Okay. The golf twelve hours time of year. Yeah, um, the FIM Super Enduro World Championship, a yeah. hybrid motorcycle comp competition uh meaning combining supercross and enduro on an indoor circuit whoa yeah that's uh their next race is in poland so yeah better be indoors (laughs) um we got the stock car pro series in brazil whoa uh the dakar world rally championship um that's in saudi arabia this year kicking off january 5th not and the World Rally Championship. Their next race is in Monte Carlo uh, in January 25th. And I believe that's the start of the season. Okay. Oh, we've also got the Asian Le Mans series. And Formula E, of course. Round of one, course. Mexico City E-Prix, January 13th, 2024. On the streets. Uh, gosh, there's even more. Super Sprint Motorsport New Zealand Championship. Le Toque Enduro Pale. NASCAR, maybe you've heard of it. Oh my God. February 4th. I think I might camp out in Sonoma this year. Oh. Yeah, I think I might camp on the infield. Oh, do you? You have an RV. I got a little RV. We got an RV a couple months back. We got a little. We're less than two months from the trailer. Oh boy. Oh boy. If you want to go camping, 
Mm. I wanted to, yeah, I want to live that uh, Logan Lucky life. <laughs> was that was Indianapolis? Was it? Uh, n- no, that was um, Charlottesville. Yeah. Oh, you're right. So. Yeah, it was. Yeah. yeah. Uh, all right. Well, final oh. thoughts. Oh. Yeah, uh, speaking of things to watch, uh, the Michael Fassbender Road to Le Mans oh. most recent thing is out. But in lieu of doing a series this year, they just went ahead and did a 90-minute movie. Um, the It is available on Porsche's YouTube channel right now. It is called Michael Fassbender colon Road to Le Mans hyphen the film. So it's a little bit confusing because this is the... It feels like the end. Fifth, I want to say. It, it 100% feels like the end i've watched it i enjoyed it i would say the opening 30 minutes is them just recapping the previous whatever four seasons of the series or maybe it's no i need 90 minutes of new content no uh and then they show what happened this year and everything else and you know i think they do a good job of wrapping it up uh (laughs) i really i enjoyed watching this one as well do we need to do this Oh yeah, I don't think we need to do this, do we? Maybe we don't. Whatever. We did all the other ones. Maybe. Oh yeah. Maybe that's the first one. I, like, I need to check this box off. I need to check okay. it off. Yeah, I, I'll watch it again. I enjoyed watching it. It's a. Uh, yeah, maybe yeah. that's what we do for January. January. Yeah. Okay. So everyone else, then that's your homework for the uh, holiday period: is go check out uh, the free movie. Uh, also, like what a contrast ago. with Gran Turismo. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> what a pairing! What a pairing! Damn you and for gamers. a different vibe, here's Michael Fassbender. <laughs> <laughs> All right, final thoughts on the 2023 season, Danny O'Dwyer. Um, yeah, everything I've said, I guess, rambled on already. I enjoyed it. It wasn't the most exciting year. Um, it was interesting in lots of ways, and we did have some exciting races, which was fun. Um. I think for everyone's sake, I would love if the gap is closed to Red Bull um, uh, next year, just to, to I think, ev- I think everyone looks better if there's more competition there. Um, uh, and yeah, for the sake of the sport, I feel a little bit too, yeah. kind of get away with one of them maybe, or maybe two of them. But next year, if it ends up being that way again, I think we're might be in trouble. So, you know, I think, uh, yeah, fingers crossed a bit more competitive, at the top or just you know red bull just take one for us like just get ricardo in that seat just spice it up just like you know what i mean like if checo is not going to fight for fight max then get someone else in there and and you know help us out um but yeah i'm you know i'll enjoy the break but i'll i'll be craving some circuit action uh, come january all right final thoughts rob The time has come for uh, any team that's serious to take the fight to Red Bull. Uh, you're not going to beat Adrian Newey at uh, you know building a better aero package under this rule system. Uh, you need a nitrous system. Mm. <laughs> so who's who's going to have the will to try to slip that past the scrutineers? Maybe maybe Andretti would. <laughs> yeah. Hey, don't look. Hey, don't look under that uh, that plank. <laughs> just you don't need to know what's going on under there yeah uh engineering director at andretti vin diesel <laughs> exactly it's a family you know uh well thank you everyone for joining our family uh over this <laughs> this season all our listeners all of our patrons uh we could not do the show without you uh if you would like to support the show and get access to all of our bonus episodes the ad-free version of the podcast and the official shift f1 discord tons of stuff probably going on 
over the winter break, certainly in Simland. Uh, so you can check that out. Uh, please do so over at patreon.com slash shift F1. Have a good race weekend, everyone. We will see you all next In time. Hell. Oh, next time. <laughs> 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 <laughs>